Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. the message this morning, I, I really feel compelled that we need to take some time uh, this morning and pray for our law enforcement. Most of you, and unless you've not been here in the news at all, uh, realize what happened in Hudson, um, right in the, the town that, uh, that I live in, many of you live in. Uh, <clears throat> this past Friday, uh, someone had, uh, during a traffic stop, uh, really early in the, the morning, Friday morning, um, led to them firing upon an officer. Uh, that officer comes to our church. Also, he was here at the first service this morning, uh, had shrapnel that had uh, hit him as a result of it. And, um, you know, the, if you saw the pictures online of the car that was shot, that was his car. So, uh, really close to his head and things like that. And it could have turned out in a, in a really tragic, uh, way. Uh, I saw quickly after that, um, some of our officers' wives put in about how they used to hate the sound of Velcro, but they like the sound of Velcro now because that means their 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 husband or their wife, either one, whichever's in law enforcement, is home and they're taking off their gear when they do the Velcro. So uh, that could have gone a uh, um, more of a tragic way for our officers. Regrettably, it led to that suspect losing his life uh, based on his choices, guys. It could have ended differently based on his choices. And I just feel like we, we, most of you know this, we've got a lot of officers come to our church and uh, I hope you do pray for them. Remember to pray for them, but let, let's, let's stop and pray for them right now before we go into the, into the message any further. Father, we, uh, we thank you for those that, um, have been called to protect and serve us. Uh, Lord, I think you tell us in your word in Romans 13 that they're, they're your servants. Uh, we might not think of them like that sometimes. They may not think of themselves like that sometimes. But uh, uh, you have set them aside and called them into what they do that we may uh, have relative uh, peace and safety in the society that we live in. So, Father, we thank you for uh, all law enforcement officers, but especially for those that are part of Day 3. And, Father, we pray that uh, you continue to keep them safe. We thank you for the safety net uh, that was provided um, over Ken. Uh, this, uh, this past Friday, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, I had not seen the picture until this morning, but one of the other officers showed me a picture that that officer, Ken, had sent to him, uh, and in his patrol car, uh, his Bible was laying over in the seat beside of him and glass from the shattered window across his Bible. And that blessed me to see that he had his Bible with him on duty. Amen. And all. We have been in this series uh, about Christmas, the gift of Christmas, of course, that being Jesus uh, sent down. That's what the logo represents and how the ultimate gift that God sent in Christ ought to impact us as believers and impact our, our giving because God gave the ultimate gift. It ought to affect our attitude and uh, our view toward giving uh, our, ourselves. And, of course, we're taking our Christmas offering up right now. That's part of the reason for this series. During the invitation today, we have this box up here at the front. If you've not had the opportunity to give uh, yet or, or if you decide you do want to give more, we have some envelopes up here available at the front during the invitation. That will be uh, part of the invitation this morning for you to uh, take an opportunity to, to give. Uh, we've talked about giving from different angles uh, in this series, but what I want to talk about this morning is this, uh, that you and I, I think we need to be bringing joy to the world. Uh, we started out the series uh, with part of this passage of scripture that I'm going to read again for you this morning in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 through 11. If you would stand with me in honor of God's word as we, uh, as we read this. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For, in other words, here's the reason for good news and the reason for great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. 
Like I said, we launched this Christmas series with those verses as part of the message today. And I'm not really going to preach those verses. Uh, It's just a send-off point for us. I I do want you to remember, though, that that we were given good news. The angels gave good news. That's the same word uh, in the Greek that we get our word evangelize from. And, And guys, that's what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. The news that the angels were given, that a Savior had been born, that was good news. That was great news. I don't know why sometimes we are hesitant or we have problem telling uh, the good news of the gospel. We're not sharing anything negative. We're sharing something great. We're sharing the best thing when we give good news about the gospel. And because of that good news, they said there can be great joy. Joy in a plural form is the way the word's used there. We can have a lot of cheerfulness, calm delight. We can be calmly happy. We can be well off. Why? Because we have the good news, the good news of the gospel, the good news of the Savior. And because we've got the good news, we ought to have great joy. The good news was simple and plain. The good news was the Savior had been born, that the Lord had come to earth. And and guys, this morning, if you know that Savior, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we ought to have joy that other people don't have in our lives. We, We ought to be able to demonstrate joy and carry joy into the world if we know Christ as our Savior. The hymn, Joy to the World, the first stanza, it says, joy of the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And that's great to sing about, but the truth of the matter is every heart has not prepared him room. That's why you and I need to be involved in carrying the joy of Jesus, the joy of the gospel into a lost world because everybody doesn't know him. And we need to carry that out into the world as we live our, our lives. People haven't prepared their hearts. They've not made room in their hearts or their lives for him. Second standard of the song says, joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. And he does reign. He's reigning on high in heaven this morning. He reigns. He took his life back up and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. He is reigning, but there's still people in the world who he does not reign in their hearts. And that's why we need to be about carrying his joy into the world. <clears throat> Third stanza said this, no more let sins and sorrows grow. Yeah, let's be honest. We look in the world and there's growing sin, isn't there? And there's growing sorrows in people's lives. All the more reason why you and I need to see the calling that we have as Christ followers, as Christians to carry his joy into the world. Then the last stanza said this, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love and the wonders of his love and the wonders and wonders of his love. Well, the Bible tells us Jesus is the truth. Amen. And Jesus has grace. He offers grace. He desires the nations to literally do that, to prove the glory of his righteousness, for us to test, for us to prove the righteousness that he that he offers. And he wants the world to experience the wonders of his love. But many have not done that. So this morning on this Sunday before Christmas, as we wrap up this series, next week, I want you to go ahead and be thinking about next week. It's a kind of a testimony-based service. We've done that before, like end of the year. And you'll be thinking about maybe how God has blessed you this year, some dream you have for next year, and we want you to share that. But as we wrap up this series, and on this Sunday before Christmas, and on this Sunday before you'll be seeing people maybe you don't see all the time, or you'll be congregating together with family, or meeting some friends and things like that like that. I want to challenge us to remember that we need to carry joy into the world. And by then, I'm talking about the gospel. By then, I'm talking about us carrying Jesus into the world. That's why we do something like this missions offering. Because by us giving to, to missions, we Help support the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I talked some about her last week. I'll talk a little bit more about her uh, today. But in light of, of what she did, given her life, in order that people in China could hear the gospel. Guys, we have an opportunity to support that type of endeavor. We have the opportunity to support missionaries that are all across the world, serving Christ and serving others, trying to get the gospel to lost people through the International Mission Board. 
That's why we take this offering up. That's what the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is about. That's why we try to send some funds to Guatemala to try and help impact that village there for Christ. We've got the opportunity to do that through this missions offering. And guys, not just that, but in our just regular giving, we have the opportunity to impact other people, hopefully through ministry. You've got the ability to do it just by walking across the street or sharing with your neighbor or talk to someone else and, and share them with them the gospel of, of Christ. Jesus brought joy into the world. The angels even announced because he had been sent, there's joy to the world. You and I as believers need to take his joy into the world. So what are some ways that can happen? There's going to be two main ways we're going to talk about it today. Here, here's number one. To begin with, joy through Christ. In other words, if you know Christ is your Savior, the joy that is yours through Christ, joy through Christ should impact our living, our living. Now, not just have this nice emotion in our heart because, hey, Jesus came and he was a baby put in a manger and, and uh, we can know all about him and, and everything and have this nice emotional joy. That, that's fine. We ought to have an emotional joy, but it ought to actually impact the joy we have from knowing Jesus ought to impact the way we live. It ought to impact the choices we make. It ought to impact our desire to share the gospel and to carry his joy with others. So let me give you some reasons why the truth. Joy through Christ should impact our living, first of all, because of the day of his sacrifice for our sins. This is going to be a little bit of a topical message. We'll be going through the Bible, looking at different things to try and hang with me in it. But in Psalm 118, verse 24 says this, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118 is considered a messianic psalm. In other words, David wrote it. There's some application to him, but the ultimate application points to Jesus. And and in that psalm, there's several things within that psalm that I think allude to the ministry of Jesus. When When you look in other verses, we don't have time to read through the psalm, but when you get a chance, just read through Psalm 118. In other verses in that psalm, it speaks about, I think, Christ being in distress and him crying out to the Lord. It talks about opening gates of righteousness. It talks about the gate of the Lord that the righteous shall walk through. Uh, it, it talks about uh, being a, a rejected stone that becomes the cornerstone. We know that's talking about Jesus. The New Testament tells us that. The Bible there in verse 26 in Psalm 118 says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's talking about Jesus and that joyous entry into Jerusalem. It also tells us in verse 25, they cried out, Save us. And that's what they were doing to the shouts of Hosanna. The, the crowd was crying out, Save us, as he came in to Jerusalem. And also in that psalm, it talks about a sacrifice being bound to the altar, which is a type and a picture of Jesus being nailed to the cross for our sins. So this statement here about the day, I think clearly is talking about the day of salvation, the day that Jesus provided for us. Some theologians believe it talks about literally the day of his crucifixion. Some people think it talks about the day of his return or some other aspect of his ministry. Either way, it's tied to the salvation he provided for us. Amen. And guys, because he has provided salvation, because you and I, if you in fact have, have done so, if you, if you've experienced salvation through Christ, we ought to rejoice. We ought to have joy in our hearts because of that day, because the day that he paid for our sins, we ought to have joy in our lives. We should in turn influence the way we live our lives and allow the joy that we have to influence the lives of others. This joy that we're talking about on this Sunday before Christmas, how Jesus brought joy to the world and how if we know him as our Savior, we should carry that joy out to others. Joy through Christ should impact our living also as a fruit or result of our salvation. In Galatians, where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the second one? Joy. Peace. Patience, that's the one I've told you before that I have a hard time with. Do you ever heard a hard time with that one? You ever wish that one wasn't there? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. 
Guys, because of our relationship with Jesus, the very Spirit of God lives in our lives. And the Spirit of God should be producing these things. But since we're talking about joy this morning, I just want to focus in that area for a second. Because we know Christ as our Savior and the Holy Spirit lives in us, there ought to be joy just like a fruit that other people can pluck from our lives. People ought to be able to see and be convinced that we authentically have joy in our lives because we have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible tells us this joy that we're talking about taking all the world ought to be a joy that's in all circumstances. It ought to affect our living at all times, no matter what we're going through in all circumstances at all times. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible says this, rejoice when? Y'all fell asleep on me. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not just the good times. For this is the will of God in Christ for you. You see, joy or rejoicing doesn't mean that you won't face challenging circumstances. There's a difference. You've hopefully heard me say this before. There's a great difference between happiness and joy. You can be going through something that's very difficult. You're not happy about it. You're not tickled about it. But in the midst of it, you can still have joy. You can still display joy in your life because you know Christ is your Savior. doesn't mean you're happy about the circumstances, but you can still display joy. We're not promised we won't go through challenging circumstances. I mean, look at the reference there where he says, pray without ceasing. Why do you need to pray without ceasing? Because you've got challenging circumstances that you face in your life. So we need to be praying without ceasing, but we always need to have joy present and active in our lives and give thanks in all circumstances. And someone may say, but how can I do that when it's really difficult, when I'm going through a tough time in my life? Well, look at the last part of the verse. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Guys, if, if we would look at every circumstance we're going through as being the will of God for us, I'm not talking about something you've generated by your own sin, but I'm talking about whatever you might be going through, difficult times in your life. If you'll stop and you'll think, all right, the Bible says this is the will of God for me. You know what that means? That means God's working in your life. That means God's trying to use maybe the negative circumstances to bring about good. God's allowing you to go through some things to try and make you more like Jesus. And, and if we would understand when difficult things are happening, that means that God is a work in our lives, then we can rejoice always, no matter what the circumstances might be. And Abeka says this, Abeka chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom... Nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive tree fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Now that loses a little bit of interpretation for us in the day in which we live that I know of, we don't have anyone here that's making a full-time living based upon what you grow out in the fields, whether it be olive tree or whatever else. And you're not necessarily looking at your wealth and how well you're doing based on how many cattle or whatever it is, animals you've got in the stall. But you do pay attention to your bank account, don't you? Think about the stall being your bank account or other parts of your life. Apply what Habakkuk is saying like that. In other words, guys, when you're going through good times or bad times, when you're going through times of blessing or times of leanness, leanness, when you're going through great difficulty in your life, when you're facing problems in your life, when, when you feel like the, the, the fields of your life have dried up and the financial support's cut off and the, the, the bank account stalls are all empty, apply it like that. Then read what he says at the end of verse 18. Yet, I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Listen, you and I as believers, no matter what we're going through, we ought to always be able to have joy and display joy in our lives. Not happiness. Not, oh, everything's fine in my life. We ought to be able to display joy. Think about this. If you know Christ is your Savior, you know the most important thing that you could possibly know in all the universe. Is that not true? So, so focus upon that. Not, well, I, I didn't get the pay raise at work, or this person being mean to me, or this, or this is happening. I, I, I didn't get the Christmas present I wanted. 
You realize there are going to be people all across the world who won't open any Christmas presents. Joy shouldn't be based in those things for us. Joy should be based in, in knowing that we know Christ is our Savior and rejoice in the Lord and take joy in, in the God of our salvation because he is that because we we saved by him. Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord. What's the word again? Always. And then notice what Paul does to us. He has the audacity to say, again, I'll say rejoice. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty simplified, isn't it? He, He just says rejoice in the Lord always. Think about how much better our lives would be if we'd have that focus. That we'd rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what we're going through. And then Paul does this, inspired of God to do it. It's as though Paul is saying, hey, in case you didn't hear me, I'm going to say it again, rejoice. That needs to be the the, the mindset that we have, that we will rejoice always in the Lord. You see, here's a point that I want to make. The main point, the reason I read all those verses is this. We've got a lost world watching us. And when you and I fail to display joy, we're not being very convincing to them that Jesus is all we need. When when we fail to display joy when we're going through bad things. You see, if, if we're only joyful when everything's good in our lives, that's not really much of a testimony, is it? Do you realize even a lost person that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, they can be joyful when everything's all going good and everything's going great? That doesn't get the attention of a lost world. If you only go acting happy and joyful when things are going well, then that's what people expect because things are going well. But but it's when you can display authentic joy when things are difficult and things are going bad. That's when God can take your joy and use that to grab the attention of a lost person. And they start questioning, how can they seem like they're still happy or filled with joy? I know what they're going through. I know they're going through cancer. I know they're going through bankruptcy. I know they're going through a broken relationship. I know they're going through this. I, I know they're struggling with that, this, the other thing. I, I know they're going through this, but they still have joy. See, that, that's the opportunity we have as Christians in a lost world to display joy to the world, to get the attention of the lost. And guys, let me even say it clear. If we're going to bring joy to the world, we better live in ways that convince them that God's joy in our lives is real and it's authentic because of Jesus. Because if we don't display it for a lost world to see, then we're not showing them that they have any, that we have anything that they need. It's easy to act like we're bitter, upset, angry at the whole world. That's easy to do. That's part of the flesh. But it's when we do the opposite. That God can grab that and use that in the heart of a lost person or before a lost world to gain their attention to the Jesus that you've trusted in. Let me kind of say that in the opposite way. As Christians, I believe we're called to take joy because Jesus is joy. Amen? We're called to take joy into the world. Not heartbreak, not negativism, not condemning spirits. We're called to take joy to the world. You you want to know what has hurt evangelism and probably hurt church attendance and everything else across America? You might not ever see the stats. I, I, I have to see the stats because what I do is take convention sometimes. Right now today, 85% of all churches in America are plateaued or flatlined. 85%. You know why I'm convinced is causing some of that? 
Because instead of us acting like we've got something to have joy in our lives about, instead of us taking joy in the world for other people to see, we carry our negativism and judgmental spirits into the world and condemning spirits into the world. And, and, and we've got the, the world wanting to run from us because they're thinking, man, that Christian's not going to make me feel any better. That's going to make me feel worse because of everything that's going on in my life. And all they want to do is come and shoot at my life, condemn me, put me down and, and everything else. So we're not attracting them. You know what would attract a lost world? Authentic joy in our lives that Jesus puts there. That's what can attract a lost world. Also, not just in all of our circumstances, but the joy that is ours through faith in Jesus, that ought to help us and affect our living where we're displaying joy for others through our faith in Him. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now I want to remind you of something. Peter in 1 Peter was writing to persecuted Christians in Asia Minor. And he starts out by by telling them, hey, even though you've never seen him, you love him. Question. Who here, raise your hand to let me know. If you have, I really want to talk to you after the service. (laughs) Who here has ever face-to-face physically seen Jesus? I'm waiting. Who? who? You, 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 I mean, he's. How many love him anyway? And and even though you've not seen him, he said you don't see him now. Here's here's what Peter's saying. You've never seen him yet. You love him. And right now, what you're going through, you don't see him right now. Right in the middle of the persecution that those believers in Asia Minor are going through, you don't see him right now, but you love him. And how many of you love him and you believe in him? Huh? And he says, because that's true. Because you love him and you believe in him, you can rejoice with a joy that's inexpressible and filled with joy. Because that's just a natural outcome of the faith that you have and the salvation that God's put in your life. That, that you ought to be able to display it. You see, as, as, as followers, we love him, even though we don't see him. Whatever we're facing, we can believe in him. And we ought to rejoice with an inexpressible joy filled with glory. Because that's just an outcrop, a, a normal thing, an outcome of the salvation that he's provided for us. And guys, if you've experienced that salvation... You got a reason for joy. Amen. You got a reason to display that joy to a lost world. Well, to also be impacted because of the joy that we have through Jesus in our living because of God's word. I want you to look at what David wrote in Psalm 119. Your testimonies. Here's what he's talking about. What God says. Your testimonies, your promises, your word, your testimonies are my heritage. Have you ever thought about the Bible like that? See, you and David, if if you know Christ as your Savior, this is your heritage. You know, a lot, a lot of you may be worried or hoping about your heritage. You're hoping somebody leaves you a million dollars sometime when they die. Well, they do. You're going to have to die and leave it behind. If, if they don't, then you, I mean, you did get it started. As a believer, guess what? You have this. Amen? Th- th- this is our heritage. 
Now, for some of you, you might think, well, it doesn't give me a lot of joy because he said it's my heritage forever for they are the joy of my heart. Some of you might think, well, the Bible doesn't give me a lot of joy in my heart because it points out the way I am and, and, and I don't like the things it tells me about myself and, 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 and everything. I, I understand that. <laughs> I get the same thing when I read it. Amen. But you know what? It's still joy in my heart because it pointed out to me that I needed a savior. It pointed out to me that I'm lost. It pointed out to me that I cannot save myself. It pointed out to me that I needed to trust in him. And it gave me the gospel that led me to trust in him. So guys, as believers, the Bible itself ought to be like a heritage for us, a joy in our lives. His word never, ever passes away. And it ought to be the joy of our hearts. If it is the joy of your heart, there are parts of it like the Great Commission that tell us to do what? Go in all the world. Tell them, share with them, give them the gospel. The joy that you have as a believer through Christ, that you should have if you know Christ is your Savior, is a joy that ought to impact your living. But it's also a joy that ought to impact your giving. Your giving. Joy through Christ should impact our giving. As soon as you hear giving, your radar antenna comes up always talking about money. That's part of it. But giving involves more than money. You recognize that? Here, here might be a, this might be a simple way for us to view the way we ought to give. What did Jesus give for us? Everything. Really. Including being nailed to a cross. So the giving of Jesus involved all that he was. And our giving as believers ought to affect not just what we give financially, but it ought to involve our faith also. It ought to involve who we are. It ought to involve us giving ourselves. But yes, it does include giving our funds. Look at what's said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 7. Each one, and I don't know I'd ever looked at this like this before, but as I read it, I put it in bold and I underlined it. Each one must give. Do you see that? Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Some people use that verse for, for an out. Well, the Bible says in the New Testament, I'm supposed to give as I've decided in my heart. So I've decided in my heart, I'm not going to give very much. <laughs> Can I ask you to change your focus for a minute? Will you stop and look at Jesus on the cross, dying for you, shedding his blood, suffering for you? Will that not affect your heart just a little bit? Before you just flippantly decide, well, I've, I've decided in my heart I'm not going to give very much. When you look and you see he gave everything. See, it's, it's not an out. It's really a challenge for us to evaluate our heart and evaluate our relationship with God and evaluate everything that, that, that he's done for us. And then us decide in our heart, not reluctantly, not because we have to, but God wants us to give with the right attitude. It says God loves a, a cheerful giver. Guys, I, I recognize uh, we've talked a lot about giving over the last few months, maybe more than I ever have in my whole ministry. And I don't know why I've always feel self-conscious about it. I always worry when I talk about giving that someone's going to think I'm talking about for me or something like that. And uh, as a young pastor, I would have times when I'd preach on tithing or giving, and it's almost like the people thought, all right, we'll show you next Sunday. We're going to give less than we did the week before. So I hate to talk about giving. But I had to eventually grow past that. You want to know why? Because God talks about giving. Because Jesus gave. Gave his all for us. And we've talked a lot about giving the last few months with Operation Christmas Child and, and hitting our goal. Thank you guys for helping us do that and being so faithful that we could do that. And, and now we're talking about our Christmas offering and the goal of $10,000. And we're talking about the book bags outside and, 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 and everything. But, but God loves us to be cheerful givers, to give with the right attitude. 
we have set on our schedule right now, if we don't change it for some reason or whatever, right now we've got to set on our schedule to consider at the end of our testimony service next week to uh, consider our 2020 budget. And, uh, you know, we've kind of looked at it. We're, we're praying that y'all will be what's said there. You'll be a cheerful giver and, uh, and all. And while I hate to talk about it, and you probably hate to hear it, God wants us to give cheerfully with joy in our hearts because of the faith that he's given us in Christ. And that ought to impact our giving. Now, you may be trying to reconnect everything. How in the world does that have to do with joy to the world, carrying joy to the world? Because when we give, when we give to missions, we're helping support missionaries through the International Mission Board that go all across the world to share the gospel. You know, the neat thing I like about the Lightman Christmas offering and the Cooper program, a lot of missionaries that are independent-based, and I, there's nothing against that. I'm not taking a shot at them. But about every two years, they have to come home and they have to visit who knows how many churches that have been sending them money to keep the money coming. As Southern Baptists, as we work together and we give, as we work together, they go on the mission field most of the time for four years without returning home, and they don't have to come home and go around and drum money up. They'll go speak in some churches and things like that, but it's not like they're having to go and drum money up because we're all working together through the Cooper program, through Southern Baptists, to keep them on the mission field. So when we give, we're sending joy to the world. Think about Lottie Moon, what we talked about her story last week. I've really found out more about her than I ever had when I did some research. I mean, I knew she kind of gave her life over in China and, 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 and suffered over there and gave stuff away. I had no idea she was weighing 50 pounds before she died. She's given her own personal funds and her own food to her Chinese neighbors, hopefully to open their heart to where they'd feel the love of Jesus and, and they could experience the joy that she had in, in her life from knowing Jesus. So as we give to the Christmas offering, we're helping support things like that. We're, we're helping support taking joy to those children in the village in Guatemala with the book bags in the other ministry that takes place, in the adults that are there. We're helping take joy to the world through doing that, through our, our giving. Lottie Moon probably would be amazed at what happened to all the mission funding that's taking place in her name. She knew before she died, in response to her request in 1888, that Southern Baptist raised $3,315 to send three female missionaries to China. She would never have imagined that by 2006, over $150 million was given to missions in her name. She would never have imagined that to this date, there's been about $2.8 billion given to missions through Lottie Moon. In last year's Lottie Moon offering, Southern Baptist gave a little bit over $157 million, $157.3 million. Third highest amount ever. Last year, in the 2018 Christmas offering, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, that $157.3 million was a little bit less, even though it was the third highest given. It was a little bit less than the previous year. That was almost $159 million. Instead of it being less, it ought to be more. And by it being more, if you've got the right attitude and you understand you're sending joy to the world, Jesus to the world, it ought to help the way we give. Becky was asking me last week, I kind of know what we have gave in the past and everything like that. And she was asking last week, what are we giving this year? I said, I don't know. I still don't know for sure. Her and I are going to have to have a prayer conference over here in a few minutes, I guess. I do know my heart's been pricked by a lady that gave her life and died, starved to death at 50 pounds. 
that others might hear the gospel. Guys, our, our joy that we have, if you know Christ as your Savior, that joy that you have ought to impact your giving. But your giving is more than your funds. Your giving is also your faith. Your faith. Why, why not this Christmas season, the opportunities that you'll have this week, why not take these extra opportunities around family and friends and things like that to, to tell them about Jesus? Not to give them some little wrapped up gift that you've given them, to be honest with you, when you give it to them, they're probably going to smile and thank you and everything like that. In the back of their mind, they're thinking, what did they buy me this for? Why not give them something that will never get old? Why not give them something that will change their life for eternity? Well, I'm not saying substitute it for one or the other, but I'm saying give them the most important gift. The most important gift is the one that God wrapped for them. The most important gift is that you can share with them the joy of the gospel. You see, as followers of Christ, we're called upon to share our faith with Jesus. The primary way, listen to me, the primary way we can bring joy to the world is with the gospel. It's by sharing our faith. That's the primary way to bring joy to others. But it's not just bringing joy to others. If you'll be involved in sharing your faith, it's going to bring joy to you also. Look look what I said here in, in, in Psalm 126. He who goes out weeping, stop, freeze frame that for a minute. We better go out sharing the gospel with the right attitude. Amen? In other words, if you go out and beat somebody on the head with the Bible and scream at them, they're going to hell. You're probably not going to make a lot of progress with them. But if we'll go out with compassion, if we'll go forth weeping... Bearing precious seed. Guys, we've got precious seed. We've got the word of God. We have the gospel. We have Jesus himself. Jesus is the seed of God. It will go forth bearing precious seed as we're sowing into their hearts the gospel message. Every now and then, here's what's going to happen. You shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. In other words, they experienced a harvest. Guys, here's what ought to happen some. Listen to me before we enter another year. There ought to be times in 2020 that you show up here bringing somebody with you on Sunday because you sowed the seed of the gospel in their heart and because they trusted Christ as their Savior and you come with rejoicing bringing your sheep with you. That ought to happen many times in the next year. All of us should be sharing the gospel with others. That's the primary way to grow a church. We can put on a show, whatever show we want to, but that's not going to keep people or bring people permanently. You are supposed to make disciples. I'm supposed to make disciples. And we better accept the challenge to take the joy that we have and plant it in the hearts of others. So every now and then, we can come with shouts of joy. We can come rejoicing ourselves because we've had a harvest take place. You can take joy to others and it can provide joy to your own personal Christian life as you you win others. We can also do this. We can create joy. This might blow your mind. In heaven. Think about that for a minute. You can create joy in heaven. Some guy probably just thought to himself, man, I can't even make my wife happy. Some woman probably just thought to herself, I, I, I don't seem like I can bring joy to, to my husband or we can't bring joy to our kids. Have you ever thought that you could bring joy in heaven? You, you can cause a party to happen in heaven. You, you can create a celebration in heaven. If you believe what Jesus said, do you believe the words of Jesus? I do. Because Jesus said this in Luke chapter 15, verse 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Hey, if you want to create a party in heaven, if you want to cause a celebration in heaven, here's what you do. Win somebody to Jesus. Lead them to Jesus. Share with them the joy that you have in your heart. And that creates joy in a celebration in heaven. So kind of the 
questions, I think it's probably simpler than what we want it to be this morning. Really simply this, will, will we, will you, will I, will we bring joy to the world? Will we allow the joy that we have from knowing Christ as our Savior, if in fact you know him, will you allow the joy that you have in your life to affect your living? So you're living in a way that takes joy to others. You're living in a way that grabs their attention, where they see you have joy no matter what you're going through. Because of what Jesus did for us, because he died for our sins, we ought to have joy in our hearts. Because the Holy Spirit produces joy in our lives, other people ought to be able to pick that as a fruit in our lives. We ought to be displaying joy to the world, no matter what our circumstances might be. We ought to be rejoicing in the Lord always. And we ought to be so directing the focus of others toward Christ by living with joy in our lives, seeing them make a difference in our lives, Christ make a difference in our lives, that our joy affects them. Will we bring joy to the world because we're allowing our joy through Jesus to impact not just our living but our giving? We need to remember the great price that Jesus paid for us. We need to be willing to give ourselves for the gospel as Jesus gave himself for us. We need to remember the hardships and sacrifices of missionaries like Lottie Moon and give in response to their demonstrated faith. We ourselves should demonstrate our faith through giving our funds, but also through giving our faith to others. And give you a couple more biblical reasons why right before we close and have this time of invitation. I want you to listen to the words of Isaiah. And I want you to see yourself in these words. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. Why? Here's why. For he's clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Apply that to yourself. Why should we greatly rejoice in the Lord and, and, and exult in God ourselves? Here's why. If you know Christ as your Savior, he has clothed you with his salvation. He has clothed you with his righteousness. He's dressed you up like his bride. There's a wedding that took place, and there's a wedding ceremony one day at the marriage supper of the Lamb that will take place. You're his bride. He's dressed you up in his righteousness. That's a reason for you to have joy and a reason for you to take joy to others that don't have joy, that don't have the joy of Jesus. Jesus said this to his disciples before his crucifixion. So also you have sorrow now. He told them he's going away. They had some reasons for sorrow. But I'll see you again. Amen. And they did. Took his life back up. I'll see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. Will you think about that for a minute? Once the disciples saw the resurrected Lord, no matter what they went through, no matter when they were tortured, abused, beat, lost their lives, no one took their joy away because they'd seen the risen Lord. Guys, that promise is still for you. One day we will see him. One day we'll see him face to face. And once we see him face to face, all the sufferings of this world will be a distant memory in the past And nothing ever will ever, ever impact the joy that we have. But even though that's true out there then, the Bible calls us to bring joy to the world now. To take Jesus to the world now. I hope this Christmas season you'll make that your focus and you'll make that your goal. Father, Father, as I hear the footsteps of the young child overhead, as we do sometimes. Let the sound of those footsteps running motivate us to run for you, to run to the world, to run in this life and carry your joy to a lost world. Father, if there's anyone this morning that's gathered with us in this place or watching online 
through our live feed. Father, if there's anyone that, that doesn't know the joy in their life from knowing Jesus as their Savior, I pray right now that you convict them of their need for a Savior. Help them understand they can't change the way they feel about themselves by themselves. They can't change their sin by themselves. They can't be good enough. Father, help them right now to understand that you're offering them real joy, that you sent your son into this world to bring joy, that your son died on a cross for their sins so that through faith in them they can experience your joy. But Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ today, compel them, call them, move them toward yourself, whether in this room or online. Father, for those of us that do know you, forgive us when we display wrong attitudes. Forgive us when we get bitter and upset and have road rage and so many things that can happen to us in our lives that keep us from displaying joy. Father, help us to leave from this place today to finish out this year, to enter a new year, being reminded that you've called us to take joy to the world. Help us to display your joy in our lives for others to see. Father, right now as we have a time of invitation and a time of giving toward our Christmas offering, Father, I pray you help us to take joy to the world. I pray for our missionaries across the world. I pray you protect them and that you use them, you anoint them in a special way. I pray, Father, that Southern Baptists will give in a way this year that greatly encourages missionaries and sends more missionaries across the globe. Father, I pray for the work in the village in Guatemala, that you glorify yourself there. That you be with the team as it goes. And Brad and Brandy as they go in January for the book bags. That you take your joy into that village. Father, bless our giving right now. Bless our decisions right now. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.